and welcome along to the Transformation Podcast for Bristol's Colston Hall. I'm Harriet Robinson, I'm a journalist, a huge music fan and I live right here in Bristol. We're tracking the venue's redevelopment, bringing you all the stories, highlights and characters involved with the city's biggest ever arts capital project. And this is a multi-million pound scheme that won't just deliver some spruced up stages and a couple of comfy seats. Where schools are committed, the impact is transformational. And we've seen that in a number of schools in Bristol where their academic results have changed as a result of a, a strong and prolonged investment in music and creative arts in general. Success will look like a hall that has its doors flung open and every single person in the city has a sense of ownership and a stake in what we do. That this centre, it's the hub of Bristol's communities. We went through ideas around marketing and just kind of get a general understanding of what that entails from like social media campaigns to how you release a single, how you might package an EP together, as well as that they were helping us actually to develop music in the first place, whether that's linking up with live musicians or certain producers, just really trying to help, I guess, curate and guide our sound. Now, aside from the work taking place around the £48.8 million transformation project, the day-to-day work of presenting amazing concerts in venues throughout Bristol carries on. But you might not know that the Hall also has a thriving education and community programme that, in the wake of years of austerity, is creating real opportunities for people across the city to develop and grow musically and creatively. Well, I'm in a meeting room at Colston Hall with Phil Castang, who is the Director of Creative Learning and Engagement at Bristol Music Trust, the charity that runs Colston Hall. I hope you don't mind me saying, Phil, that's quite a mouthful of a title. Can you tell me what it means? Yes, uh, so I made it up to be a mouthful. Well, it means that I look after all our activities that are around education and community engagement, essentially. So what's really happening with our schools at the moment? Yes, the cuts that we have happening in music education are really around national government policy and about changing funding criteria in local authorities. And so there is quite a big impact on schools. But we work really, really hard to support schools with music education and having a musical culture beyond just having lessons, as it were. The reason that's so important is because schools are at the heart of every community and if schools aren't engaged in culture and um, creative learning, then that's not going to permeate throughout those communities. gone into a fair amount of detail there but for somebody that doesn't understand I mean what exactly does the Bristol Music Trust do in terms of music education in and outside of schools? We run the Music Education Hub and there's a national plan for music education that we deliver in every school and so that is for children aged 5 to 18. Also support curriculum activities so the academic but also enrichment activities so clubs and 
lunchtime ensembles, singing activities, uh, support with instruments. So we've, we've got thousands of instruments that literally go out to schools and then come back at the end of term and then get cleaned up and fixed and then go back out. Um, it's a major operation. And then the training of teachers. And then also we support community organisations with their musical activities. And so we, as Creative Learning and Engagement, believe that everyone should have a lifelong relationship with learning, with music at the heart and creative arts decorating it. Amazing. It seems like we do so much in Bristol and that the music education hub that we offer seems kind of more than other cities are being offered. Yes, so we're really lucky. We've got the broad shoulders of Bristol Music Trust and Colston Hall and um, that has given us an amazing opportunity, fantastic resources, access to international artists, access to incredible spaces, access to additional investment and funding sources and really to have a really big team and our work isn't just in Bristol, it does go across the west of England and indeed we've got a programme that is a national programme and so we are really well known for our inclusion work. Uh, there's a lot of responsibility to do really great work with these additional resources and that's what we tried to do. Talking about schools, it's great to learn music in schools because then you learn how to be a musician but it can benefit students in other ways, right? Absolutely, those benefits might be around mental health, understanding yourself through songs and lyrics. Music has an effect on our emotional state so it can help us to be calm or to be more energetic. It has an effect on on every aspect of our being. I just wanted to know how you measure whether the trust's work is successful. Apart from all the reporting and evaluation that we have to do for our funders. Many of the young musicians who are in our young companies in residence will go on to conservatoires or music college. You know, when I saw George Ezra here at Colston Hall, for example, he said he came as a student at music college, saw the hall and thought, one day I'm going to play here. And likewise, I meet teachers who have played on the stage at Colston Hall in an orchestra, in their school orchestra, and have gone, one day I'm going to be a music teacher. So we meet these people all the time. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence. There's lots of case study work that we do. And, uh, you know, frankly, we have a really good reputation nationally for our work, and that is a hard one. Okay, Phil, thank you very much. Thank you very much. A major drive for Bristol Music Trust is to improve the health and well-being of Bristol society as a whole through music. So all that incredible work happening in our city's schools is also being supported by an emerging community programme. Well, I'm at Colston Hall in Meeting Room 1 with Julia Roderick, who is the Community Learning and Volunteering Senior Officer. That is another seriously long title, Julia. Um, Tell us what you do. Um, Hi there. Um, So my role at um, Bristol Music Trust really, in a nutshell, is to oversee our community engagement programme. That's all about celebrating creativity within our communities, whether that's through projects, through workshops, through gigs in community centres. It's 
it's really about re-establishing ourselves as being a centre, a community hub, an art centre for all of Bristol's communities. So we're working with lots of different partners across the city to reimagine what this space is going to look like as part of the transformation. So what kind of things are you doing then specifically? What does engagement look like for you? For the past six months, a lot of my work has been about building relationships. So actually visiting community centres, hospitals, youth service provision, school groups, higher education, post-16 establishments, trying to get a sense of what the new hall and the, the role of the trust should be in the future. I've been trying to get a sense of what individual need looks like in those particular contexts and co-create with those partners different kinds of projects. So for example, we are developing some work in sheltered accommodation with older people. Um, We're looking to develop some new work with refugee and asylum seeker communities. One big priority area for us is around arts and health and wellbeing. So there's been all sorts of evidence and research recently that's been published about the positive impact of arts and music on mental health and well-being. So we are looking at how we can take our musical activities, our creative activities into hospitals and one of the projects we're exploring is setting up a children's orchestra in the children's hospital here in Bristol which will be a weekly workshop for children that are you know really in the most vulnerable states bringing percussion and songwriting and live music making to those children and uh, potentially working with their families to bring life into those settings that you know for whatever reason are really challenging. Another piece of work that we're exploring is around supporting adults living with dementia. Again another really big uh, priority area so looking at the role that music can play in terms of empowering those those people's voices really to be heard because one of the things that happens I think when you're dealing with an illness um, like dementia is that you lose your voice, you lose your, your sense of self and your identity. So thinking about how music, creative writing, songwriting can bring uh, those voices back into the room. And then another project that we're looking at is called Start a Ripple, which is um, a programme of work in primary schools. It's a bit of a pilot project, but it's essentially a song cycle which will enable children in primary education to explore their own self-esteem, their confidence, their well-being through the text and through breathing exercises and through yoga and mindfulness, uh, we're going to be using music to to really help those children kind of find their sense of well-being. That's pretty amazing really. I mean, I feel like Bristol Music Trust is doing something pretty special here. I think we really are actually. I mean, we're we're at this really pivotal time in in the life of the organisation, going through the transformation, the name change and reimagining who we are as a as an institution. I think we feel like we have an obligation really to contribute to a healthy and happy society and we feel we desperately need to play a part in in civic regeneration. Very interesting to talk to you. Thanks, Julia. Great to meet you. Thank you. I'm Harriet Robinson and you're listening to the Transformation Podcast for Colston Hall. You can join in on the conversation on Twitter anytime using the hashtag TransformTheHall. We'd love to hear from you. And for more information about the project, please head to colstonhall.org slash transformthehall. 
As you can see, the team at Bristol Music Trust is doing expansive work when it comes to promoting music education and creative engagement in the community. But on top of that, these guys know what an incredible asset music is to the local and national economy. According to the 2017 report Measuring Music, the British music industry contributes nearly £5 billion to the economy each year. So I guess right now, the next obvious questions have to be about what the Trust is doing to support homegrown talent. And where's the next generation of professional musicians coming from? And to prove it's not all about orchestras and classical concerts, Bristol artist Solomon O'B is here to tell me how Colston Hall is supporting those with a passion for more underground or less traditional styles. Hi, Solomon. Hello. Very well read. You've done this before. Right? Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's my job. Uh, tell us where we are. You are currently in my bedroom. But yeah, the surroundings are a Bob Marley wall hanging behind my bed because I'm that guy. It, it keeps you quite calm, actually. There's, there's also a hand-drawn calendar. Just help keep myself in order. My microphone, my laptop, my speakers, my main tools for, for creating these days, really. So this is your studio, basically? Pretty much, yeah. Try not to let myself get too cabin fevery and boxed in. Walks along the cycle path. Um, just get myself out of the house to... Keep it fresh. One. I woke up in the morning with a voice inside my head. Told tales of August on my dreams while I'm in bed. Started telling stories would be awkward to forget. And so I felt compelled in order to wake up and grab my pen. Lay my hands on sheets as I removed from sheets of bed. Well, thank you for welcoming me into your bedroom. So you've been part of um, the Trust's multi-track project. Can you tell us what that is in your own words? Yeah, so multi-track for me was artist development programme. Um, me, Joelle Douglas, goes by name Splits P and Sharice Anderson. Um, so we were the three chosen for the, like, the first year of this programme. And essentially the goal was to put together like a three-track EP, go through this development process. And then the final showcase happened at the Arnold Feeney in October, I think, last year. What sort of things happened on the programme? It was quite holistic, really. We went through ideas around marketing and just kind of get a general understanding of what that entails from like social media campaigns to how you release a single, how you might package an EP together, as well as that they were helping us actually to develop the music in the first place, whether that's linking up with live musicians or certain producers, just really trying to help us, I guess, curate and guide our sound. So you worked with, or you were mentored by Eva Lazarus. So for those that don't know, Eva's an independent Bristol artist. She's toured the world. She's worked with the likes of Mungo's Hi-Fi and Next Men and tons of others. So what was it like to have someone like her mentoring you? I can imagine pretty inspirational. Yeah, Eva's wicked. It's really just reassuring knowing that pretty much any question or any like query you might have, any anxieties about the industry, like she's kind of been there and done it and, and can just can just guide you yeah and our our mentoring sessions are just really informal just pretty much just meeting up and chatting about music like we're both at respectively in our careers i was still trying to put together yeah those those three songs and i think for me there's there's always been a bit of like um insecurity around oh where do i fit and kind of yeah where, where would i fit in the context of hip-hop rap spoken words because I, I don't really see any kind of obvious place that me and my music would land and the more I've spoken about it, thought about it and had conversations with people like Eva, it was just a, a point of I don't don't worry about where you fit. If you don't feel you fit in somewhere, that's if anything it's a plus, like to to be a bit more kind of individual. And so I think that's something I'm trying to run with now going forward, just, just embrace yourself and just yeah, just be what you're what you're really about. So 
that kind of links onto the next question, but how did you benefit from multi-track? A lot of different ways, I think. I think for me, I'm someone who's got like a lot of ideas and a lot of energy, but having that kind of funneled through an organisation or just uh, any external structure really helps me like clarify my thoughts and kind of where I want to go with things. Um, and Tony and Owen, Tony Briscoe, Owen Parry, the two guys running it, super supportive, really, really accommodating and always just really keen to make sure you know that like anything you want to reach out to us about, like we're here and our door's always open type of thing. Um, so yes, a lot of respect to those two. So what have you been doing then since completing the programme? What have you been working on? trying to finish a draft of my first album almost complete and i really just working on loads of promo stuff like a bunch of singles artwork behind the scenes videos when are we going to hear the album when Ooh, gonna i wish i could answer that question i wish no artist ever answers that question we don't know what we're doing is the bottom line of it all um i wish i did no, um realistically 2020 but i can't i can't say too much outside of that and in terms of multi-track, do you think you're going to be going back there anyway, in, in any way, or supporting other artists? I'd love to. I'd love to. I feel like now I'm at a point in my career where like I've learned a lot, um, and I feel like I know my process pretty well, and I feel pretty confident that anything I want to make, I know like at least where to begin. And so to be able to go back and kind of give that knowledge to other people coming up would be wicked. So, yeah, Owen, Tony, if you're listening, get me involved. Let's do something. Solomon Obi, thank you very much. More than welcome. I wrote this letter just so you'd never forget this shit When we're together, everything else is irrelevant But lately I've been feeling like we're distant relatives Struggling just to write this letter so hard to express this shit Everything ever so necessary, this pro Says much manifested, me and you can ever progress We can work just, just like holding matrimony, don't ever need Okay, so I'm a little bit dizzy here because I've come right back round to Phil Castang again Phil, you're the Director of Creative Learning and Engagement at The Trust, so I'd like to give you the last word in this podcast, as you seem to know quite a lot on this subject. If you're a parent or a teacher or a student and you're concerned about creativity in UK classrooms, what can you do? Lots of parents don't realise that schools have an obligation to have music in their school. And so parents should be questioning the governors, questioning their head teacher and saying, I would like music in the school. What can you do to bring that in? Speak to Bristol Music Trust, speak to Bristol Plays Music, which is our hub and see how we can support music to be in uh, your school. And we will definitely invest in schools that have that, and, and we do. And, and where schools are committed, the impact is transformational. And we've seen that in a number of schools in Bristol where their academic results have changed as a result of a strong and prolonged investment in music and creative arts in general. Obviously, we're here talking about the transformation of Colston Hall. We're going to have brand new spaces here. We're going to have a brand new main hall. What will that enable in terms of what you do and music education in the city um, the spaces will be the most accessible concert hall spaces in europe we believe and that means we can bring children and young people in families in to experience music in wonderful new settings access to amazing artists we can do those mass participatory events those where were you moments that children will never forget and that obviously will help instill that sense that the coming together the unity through music is something that is critical to our society in general and certainly is integral to bristol great 
Lovely to speak to you. Thank you, Phil. Super interesting to hear what Colston Hall is doing outside of its remit of just putting on amazing concerts for us. And actually, I didn't even realise that it was Bristol Music Trust and Colston Hall who were putting on music education and music classes within schools in our city. And now they're going even further and reaching pretty much everybody in the community. So hopefully next year when it reopens, everybody in Bristol and the surrounding areas will feel comfortable to come here and you know attend a gig or take part in a workshop and be part of any kind of program that's being run or maybe just just come and have a coffee and, and just hang out i'm harriet robinson thanks for listening to hear other podcasts in this series and to find out more about the transformation please visit colstonhall.org slash transform the hall